Hello, and welcome to Dismantle Racism, where our goal is to uncover, dismantle, and to eradicate racism. We really do want to create a world where racial equity is the norm. I'm your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC, but today I will actually have a guest host on and we will spend a little bit of time talking about my new book, Dismantle Race, Dismantling Racism, Healing from the Inside Out. So I'm delighted today that my guest will be Reverend Shannon White. I will tell you a little bit more about Reverend White in just a few minutes, but I want to invite us to do what I ask us to do every single week when we start out the show. And that really is to center ourselves. The reason why I offer us this opportunity is because we know that we are engaged when we're engaged in work where we want to change a system, when we engage in work that might be a debate for some or that might create these emotions and trigger us in some way. It's really, really important that we go back to the center to ground ourselves, to understand who we are and why we do this work. So. I want to invite you, if you would, just to take a moment, find your breath. If you can, you can close your eyes, but make sure that you ground your feet on the floor. And to tune into that which gives you life. Take a moment to connect with divine wisdom and your sacred intelligence, which is that divine part of you that helps you to make intelligent choices. So take a deep breath in and release it out and breathe in the knowledge that these choices manifest your greatness while helping others to manifest their greatness. And so as you breathe in and out, remind yourself that you are loved and that you are love itself. Breathe in and out the knowledge that you are a part of a shared humanity and carry within you the power to heal and to be a part of changing the status quo. Breathe in and out, acknowledging the power of one contributes to the power of community. Take a deep breath in, sigh it out, and let's begin. I am so delighted today, and really, I won't spend a lot of time introducing her because she's been on the show before, but I'm really delighted to have not only a colleague, but one that I call a friend to interview me today to talk about my new book, again, Dismantling Racism, Healing Separation from the Inside Out. My book launched on Monday, April 18th, and I thought it would really be good to have someone who actually has experience in journalism to come on and interview me to really uh, find out a little bit about what the book is about and why I engage in this work. And it's really kind of nice just to have a guest host anyway. So I, I want to welcome Reverend Shannon White here. Uh, Shannon has a long history of being a journalist, but she left journalism, so to speak, and began a career with uh, pastoring. And so she has pastored numerous churches, but I believe that journalism is still in her spirit anyway. And uh, Lord knows that there's probably a lot that we have to do as ministers where journalistic experiences come into hand. So I just want to welcome to the show today, Reverend Shannon White. Shannon, I welcome, am welcome, so welcome. delighted to be here with you. And, you know, ministry is just a different way of telling stories, right? Mm -hmm. Journalism, ministry, um, that's the heart of the scriptures is storytelling, right? Yes. yes. I, so I'm delighted. I got your book. I read through it. It is fabulous. So I am delighted. Why don't we jump right in? Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> I get to ask questions actually have, after having read the book, which is wonderful. Ah, yeah. um, so Tell us, why did you want to write this book, first of all? What's, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Why did you want to write it? Well, the first thing that comes to my mind is that it's the calling. Because really my intent when I began 
writing my second book, I was writing on the wounds of religion. At least that's what I thought that I was writing on. And then this country experienced the murder of George Floyd and the protest that came out of that. So while I was in the middle of sermons on faith, as well as writing this book, I began interviewing some people and I began just really talking with people around what they were experiencing during that time. And one of the things that happened is a colleague of mine who isn't very religious at all said, I think you need to write a book on faith. So I'm thinking initially, because this was really, it preceded the murder of George Floyd just by probably a few days or weeks. And he said, um, I think that people need to know how to get through this COVID experiences that we're having. But then when George Floyd was murdered, and I began to really see how this country was impacted. And quite frankly, how white people didn't know how to navigate the conversation around race at all. And I understood that people were jumping in, you know, with uh, this fiery, uh, you know, this message that like, I want to do something, I want to do something, I want to do something, and didn't know what to do. And I knew that they were going to peter out pretty soon. So I wanted to write the book in a way to say, this is how we engage in this work of dismantling racism and how we keep our uh, feet to the fire when everything dies down. So given that, what impact do you want to have? What do you hope will happen with this book? My goodness, I want to see more people engage in the work of dismantling racism. I want to see more people. um, It's not about being out there protesting. But it's really about more people consistently challenging the status quo, consistently looking around and saying, you know, how are people of color impacted by what's going on in the country today? All right. So let's go deeper in then. So Mm -hmm. you talk about, and you just mentioned it, you know, being an ally as a white person. And when I think about being an activist and trying to do things, Yes, it's about jumping in, but you also talking about healing from the inside out. So talk about the necessary movement of that from inside that then affect your actions. Mm. So um, thank you for that question, because here's the thing. If people are stuck in their own guilt and their own shame and their own fear, there's no way they can engage in the process of dismantling racism. And one of the things that people often say to me is, I'm afraid I'm not going to say something right. I'm afraid I'm not going to do something right. You're going to mess up. Mm -hmm. Of course you are. And if you can't deal with the inside stuff, there's absolutely no way you can go out here and even begin a process of talking to um, the powers that be about dismantling racism. There's no way you can figure out how to incorporate a more diverse company or corporation, or how you will begin to look at your business differently if you can't deal with your own stuff. The other thing that's really important when we talk about from the inside out, of course, knowing what your triggers are, right? But also knowing what your own biases are. Mm -hmm. Knowing your why. Why are you even engaging in this work? Are you engaging in it because it's the trend? Are you engaging in it because it's what you want to deep, that you want to deeply move people into action and you want to change and you've got to figure out your why. So you've done so many workshops and helped people, leaders in coming to grips with these types of things. So what does it look like? Go a little bit deeper for us. What does it look like when someone is wrapped up in their stuff? Do they just not say something or did they, what, what would that look like? So, so it does look like that, right? Because um, here's in my experience, it's come out in several ways. Sometimes people just recoil and they're stuck because they're afraid to speak up. They are afraid to speak up to their white counterparts. They're afraid to speak up to their black counterparts because they don't want to offend. Um, and for people of color, Uh, when you're stuck in your own stuff. So I don't want to just make this about, you know, what white people need to to do, even though we do need white allies, 
Um, and a lot of my book is, is really targeted towards white allies saying this is these are some things that you can do that would be helpful. But for people of color, one of the things that happens to us when we don't deal with our own healing as well, look, when these things happen like George Floyd, it's traumatizing for us. And we can live in this space of really not wanting to confront that and deal with that that issue. Like we, we just move along because we've learned to deal with it. We've learned to put it in its place. You know, it's like people who are abused. They learn to put that abuse in its place, right? Sort of compartmentalize because they don't want to have to think about it every day. And I think for many of us, people of color, it's like, okay, yes, we know that this is happening, but I still have to continue to move on and, and do what I need to do and what I'm called to do in my corner of the world. And so what it can look like is let someone else handle it. For white people, what it can look like is, you know, I'm afraid, so I'm not going to step out there. I don't want to stick my foot in my mouth. I don't want my, I don't want people to think I'm racist. That's a really, really big one. And so it stops people from um, speaking up. The other thing is there's really a huge fear, Shannon, on the part uh, of, of many white people, I would say, is the thought of dismantling racism makes people uncomfortable and it makes people feel as if they're going to lose something if people of color gain something. So we have to really take a look inside to say, what is the thing that's stopping me from recognizing that people are hurting and how can I, you know, help to heal? I will never forget when I learned that there's more than a hundred percent, that just because I have a piece doesn't mean that someone else gets less. That's right. Right. Uh, that's brilliant. When we come back in a moment, we're going to hear more about sacred intelligence, which is all throughout this book and actually is the name of your, my your company, book. your LLC. My LLC and my first book as well. Give us a little hint before we go to break though. Well, I say it every week during the meditation. I talk about sacred intelligence being that part of us that helps us to manifest our greatness while helping other people to do the same. And the other thing that I would say about sacred intelligence that's really, really important for people to know, it's about going inward to our divine wisdom to be guided to make choices that are intelligent choices. Because your divine wisdom is not going to tell you something that's harmful to you or it, your divine wisdom won't tell you something that's harmful for other people. And this brings together your background as a psychologist as well as clergy. It does. It does. And so that's why I call myself a pastologist because I'm a licensed psychologist or a day minister. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, when we come back, in just a few moments, we will hear more about that whole thing of sacred intelligence and why it's important. Yes. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you on?
on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. So we are back with the Dismantle Racism show. My guest host today, Reverend Shannon White, has been interviewing me about my book, Dismantle Racism. So I have to tell you, Shannon, this is great to, to be on the, the other side of, of the show today. Well, it's important for other people to come in and ask you what's important to you and what do you want your listeners and readers to know about your motivations, your why, right? You talk about knowing your why. So you you bring out a story that you and I both know from the scriptures about being that, that we're all in the right place at the right time. Why don't you give us some history to that? So there's the story of, of Queen Esther who... Uh, was married to uh, King Xerxes, I believe, um, you know, trying to remember now uh, the, the name there. But, but either way, she was married to the king and the Jews were going to be annihilated. And her uncle comes to her and says, uh, you have to go to the king on our behalf. And King Esther's like, no, 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 no. Because if I go to the king, you know, basically, her privileges would be taken away and she really could be killed for going to the king if the king did not extend his scepter to her. And she was Jewish. And she was Jewish. Right. It's really important to know. And, and so uh, her cousin says to her these, these really powerful words. He tells her that she must go and says to her, uh, for who knows that you were brought basically to the palace for such a time as this. And then he also says this part, which I don't think I talk about a lot in the book. He says this part that if you don't, if you don't stand up, you in fact may perish. Hmm. That I'm paraphrasing because then she gets to this point where she realizes, oh shoot, I will perish if I don't stand up. And so then she gives him this message and I encourage people to go and read it. It's a wonderful story. She gives him this message to say, go tell all the Jews to fast for me. I will go before the king. And if I perish, I perish. Now I could do a whole book on on that whole thing because, you know, the whole, there's a lot that I can't, I won't go into today about this, but here's what's important. A lot of people are like Esther and that in the beginning, they think about, what will happen to them. And so they don't stand up because that's what happens with, again, before the break, we talked about what, when white people feel fearful, like, well, what, what, what happens if I go and stand up for people of color? Am I going to lose something? Or what happens if I say something, will I lose my job? And these are very real issues. What happened if I say something in terms of standing up for people of color, or if I put my foot in my mouth, what will happen? And so we do what Esther did initially, but then there has to become a point where we say, yes, I was put into the palace for such a time as this. I am Jewish, so that's great that I can go before the king and say this. This is why I was purposed to be here. Now, what I wanna say about that story, which I didn't say, in the book as well. I don't, I don't think I said this in the book, um, but Esther had to go inward to figure out what did God want her to do? 
And so, and the reason why I say I can't remember whether I put it in the book, because you know, it takes a long time to, to write this. It was like, what was, yes, my, what was my final thing? And so you got me almost going into preaching mode here, here too, Shannon. Preacher. Here's the thing. She had to go within to figure out what is my next step. And so what I want to say to my listeners today is that you are born for such a time as this. You're absolutely in the right place, in the right body, the right skin to do the work of dismantling racism. And you don't have to have a lot of money. You don't have to be like Esther and be in a palace. You just need to figure out what does your sacred intelligence want you to do? Guide, what is your sacred intelligence guiding you to do? in this moment. All right. So go more into the sacred intelligence. What is that? Some people may be going, what is she talking about? Tell us what that is. Well, so really the, 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 the most direct way I can talk about our sacred intelligence, it is about going inward. I say to, to listen to divine guidance, but some people can, you, they may not connect with divine guidance. Go in and listen to your intuition you will always be told what that right next step is. So it's about going inward in order to manifest the action that you need to take. That's the simplest way I can say it. It gives you time to pause and to reflect and to be guided. You know what is best for you and our shared humanity if you take the time to go inward, to listen. I just define it as our sacred intelligence. Other people say our intuition. Other people might say spirit of God speaking to you. Um, you know, you know, when you walk down the street and something says to you, don't go that way, go the other way. To me, that's your sacred intelligence guiding you in that moment. So many people in our world today have not been trained to listen to that voice, mm -hmm. right? We want to escape from anything that's an inner sense of God. And some people call it a spiritual self that some people call it, you know, something external. Some people say it's internal. So, so how do people then connect with that if they haven't ever done that before? How do you listen to that? So I want to answer that question, but I want to just go back to something yep. that just really quickly. And that is this. Sometimes people also, religious people in particular, will not identify it as the spirit or the voice within that's directing them because they'll also do this spiritual bypassing. Well, I have to wait for God to tell me to do such and such, or God is going to take care of it. That's just the way it is. God will handle it. No, God, spirit, source is already guiding you to do that work too. So for those people to answer your question who are not familiar with it, the first thing I ask people to do is just to start becoming aware of, of these, these God sighting and God winks and how you might've thought about something. There may be something that you had on your heart and your mind, and then you get a confirmation that comes from somewhere. That confirmation could come from a sign that you see. It could come from something that a person said, and they didn't even know that you've been thinking about this. Start paying attention to the ways in which your, your inner voice and the things that you've been thinking about are being affirmed and confirmed, okay? And I want to say something. Your inner voice will never tell you to do anything that's harmful to you. Your inner voice will never tell you to do anything that's harmful to another person. And your inner voice will let you know when someone is doing something that's harmful for you. And so I invite people to just begin the process by paying attention to the ways in which they see affirmation and confirmations. But then secondly, I invite people to start going through a process of sitting, sitting with spirit, sitting just to listen. You don't have to run your mouth all the time. When you're talking and praying, it's a two-way conversation that you're just sitting and spirit, source, divine wisdom, your intuition will speak to you. But you are absolutely uh, correct in that some people want to run away from that. Mm -hmm. And you do, you're, you're great in, at the end of each chapter, providing questions that allow you to go in, to kind of consider, oh, well, what was 
what was triggering for me in this, right? Yes, I do ask that question. So important. Yeah, yeah, because that's the healing, Shannon, that we need to do. Now, what I want to offer that I that I didn't say in the book, because as we get into this conversation about sitting with divine wisdom and sitting with our sacred intelligence, if your brain is running all the time and you can't stop it, there are lots of opportunities to figure out how do I begin a process of engaging in meditation? Okay. How do I, and and sometimes people quite frankly need to go get help with the way their brains are racing. So, but we're not here to talk about the mental health necessarily today, but I just want people to know, no matter where you are in life, spirit will speak to you. Your divine wisdom is always going to guide you. All right. So tell us, granted, this, this would, this another could be another whole book, the gap between then sitting inside and then moving into action. How big is that gap? Oh, it's huge because just because I sit inside and spirit then says, okay, I want you to go out here and uh, start a movement on dismantling racism. <laughs> I have to know how to start that movement. And I say that because, well, you know, how, when you know from a spiritual perspective that when we're called, I am called to this work. There's no doubt in my mind. I, I, there was a point where I did this work and I stopped, well, kind of sort of stopped because I was focusing on the religious pieces and now it's coming full circle. I'm back again. And there's a way of merging those two things, but I need to still do my inner work in order for me to get to the action work. And I also need to spirit to say, what are the steps? So in my book, I talk about how we sit with, with what spirit is guiding us to do to get to that next step. So for instance, and we, you know, I, I know we'll have to take a break soon, but I talk about our mindset. Mm-hmm. So the gap between spirit and the action has to do with dealing with our mindset around this work and us believing in the possibility that we can do this work. We have to be able to shift our mindset One of the things that I run into often, uh, people will say to me, well, when you say dismantling racism, it feels too overwhelming and I feel like I can't do it. So it just stops them in their tracks. But we need to take it one step at a time and we need to believe that it's possible to do what we can in our own corner of the world. And so going from spirit to the action piece is really that mindset piece that I walk people through in the book of how you shift and change your mindset. Well, and as you say, it sounds like you're, you keep doing that going back and forth. You, you act and then you go back inside and then you act and then you go back and then, and that it's a long journey. It's not just a one and done. This has been a long road for me. Even just writing, writing this book took forever to write this book because it's a process of who is the book meant for? How, what audience am I trying to just sort of, what do you want me to do, divine wisdom? What do you, what is the message that I'm called to do in the, in the place that I'm in? Because I'm in the right position, place, skin, socioeconomic status to do this work. So it is about going inward repeatedly and then taking the steps that we need to take. Definitely. All right. Well, when we come back from the break, we're going to talk about what the cost of racism is to white people as well as to people of color, because it, Mm. as with Esther, there was a cost to her as well as those who followed her and to other people around. Right. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, we'll be right back. Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7 Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? 
Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. We're back with Dismantle Racism. Uh, today, my guest is the Reverend Shannon White, who is interviewing me on my new book, Dismantling Racism, Healing Separation from the Inside Out. Reverend Shannon. Thank you so much, Reverend Dr. TLC. So we were talking before the break about, kind of as a little tease, what the cost of racism is to white people because sometimes i mean you know me i was in a i have been mostly in largely white congregations um the the, one of the costs for me after george floyd was murdered was that i did a sermon i lost my biggest pleasure Mm -hmm. um which is real and it i was so angry and you talk about this in the book of just the the anger that comes out and just then needing to preach about it and Mm -hmm. there were people in that congregation that did not want me to preach about it which is not an uncommon thing to use a double Mm -hmm. negative um and people thought i was being too political and then yet other people in the congregation would say thank you so much for saying something because they were feeling the same thing so what is the cost of racism to white people What would you say to your audience? So it's really interesting because what you just said is one of the things that keep people from really dealing with this. And so some people would say, yeah, see, that's a cost right there. Cost you money in your church. What I want to have people to think about is what is costing when you don't address racism. For instance, in your company, you are looking for the most qualified people to work in your company. When you don't hire people of color, you could be missing out on the best person who could bring your company to billions of dollars, as opposed to deciding to hire a person who's really mediocre because they come in the right package for you. And that uh, is white, right? Or maybe a model minority, sometimes people will, there, there are some people of color that folks will say, well, we'll go over and we'll hire, hire people from this particular uh, group of people of color. And, and that's even very specific people of color, right? Even within that population, because they see people as being good at certain things. So the cost then is you not, that you, the company, the head of the organization, or the, the, ones who lead and hire is that you're not getting the people who can advance your company to the next place. That's one cost. Another cost are things like, I've shared this before on my show. So both my daughters attend HBCUs. Throughout this last year, they had multiple threats to the campuses almost every other week. That meant that they couldn't go to classes. That that meant that they had to clear the campus and do all of these things. Well, what does that cost? That cost to the person who pays taxes. You have to pay for 
a bomb squad. You have to pay for the fire department to go. You have to pay for the police officers to go. So it's costing one way or the other not to address it. But I think from a human perspective, the cost is, is, can be one that um, is both social and psychological as well. And we do not get to form, it's all relational. We don't get to form good relationships with other people and learn and grow. Think about your world and think about some of the, the people of color in your life. What would happen? I happen to know that your best friend is a woman of color. What would happen if you had not been friends with her? Oh, I would have lost out on so many things. Yes. My and friendship so, with you brings richness in my life too. And right? so, so there's a cost there because um, I, she's chiming yeah. in. <laughs> I'm in now as we speak. So I'm glad that she's, she's watching. Hey, Rolanda, Hi, Rolanda. Uh, we, we're, 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 we happen to be speaking of her. So um, the thing about it is we all lose out on these powerful relationships that we can have. And our world would be so small without engaging in interactions with one another, without help having other people to help us think through our issues that we have going on without having other people to support us and to love us and to bring different ideas about the ways in which we can be the best people in this world and live to a higher level of consciousness. That's why I need you in my life. That's why I need other people in my life who are different so that I can show up differently. It's so important. You know, you talked before about knowing what your own lens is you know, what your own biases are. And that's why it's important to read things like this and to be in conversation with people who are different so that you see, oh, I'm looking, I'm assuming that the best person for this job is white, or I'm assuming that the best person for this job, or that comes from a certain socioeconomic place, right? So that knowing that I am a white woman of privilege who has gone through, you know, private schools and gone on to get a master's that colors, if you will, my worldview, unless I get out and talk to people to see what, that their reality is so different. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that uh, it was so interesting, right? In my congregation, my current congregation, we just um, recorded a podcast that talked about the importance of being around people different from yourself, mm-hmm. so that you can constantly have that growth potential. Right. So, and, 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 you know, quite honestly, I think in that former congregation, if I hadn't said something, the cost to me would have been a form of depression because I would have been holding back my, and you talk about this in your book about the importance of seeing everyone as connected human beings. We're all that we need fairness and that that is a real cost to people. If you deny that to others. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I want to just say, Shannon, what you did though, even though you ultimately decided that to leave that congregation, you actually opened the door for some other people. And so we can't discount what you did. Sometimes when we go in to disrupt a system, maybe we're the one to be the, to, to light, you know, the flame, so to speak. And that's why we have to keep going inward to figure out what our next steps are. And so don't discount even, and I'm not saying that you are, but even for the people who remain there, don't discount the steps that we can take and the huge impact we can have. So important. So you talk about knowing what your why is. Mm-hmm. Why is that important in knowing what your why is for why you do this work, why you give, get out of your comfort zone so that you know, you know, you pay attention to what's inside and then go act. Why? Because I think your why is what's going to sustain you through this work. And what I saw in 2020 I saw a lot of people rallying around uh, equity and inclusion. And I always say racial equity mm-hmm. because I think we can talk about all of the others, but we're very uncomfortable talking about race. So I'm very specific in terms of what I talk about. Um, 
And I saw a lot of people and some, some of these people, I said, you're going to kill yourself because you're going so, so hard. And I knew that they were would peter out. It doesn't matter whether you're a white person or a person of color. When you engage in this work without understanding your why, you will not be sustained for the long haul because you will get tired mm -hmm. and you will say, I'm done. But if your why, if your why is bigger then you're overwhelmed. If your why is bigger than your fear, if your why is bigger than your tiredness, you will keep going. I look at people like Fannie Lou Hamer, who said she was sick and tired of being sick and tired. This was a woman who was beaten almost to death, but her why was so much bigger that she continued and she spoke at the DNC in 1964 after having been beaten nearly to death to get people to vote. Her why was so much bigger. And so for people who are going to engage in this work is to understand that I am here to do this because this is what I am meant to do in this time and place. And my why is bigger than the sacrifice because this, this was a sacrifice, even just writing this book, but the work that I do in general is a sacrifice. What are some examples of people's why? So some examples of people's why would be, and I, and I will start with myself because my why is really believing one is my calling, but two is to believe that we all are in this together and we're all interconnected. And that if, if I suffer, you suffer and vice versa. George Floyd could have been me. And people need to understand the depths of what happened when George Floyd was murdered. And he wasn't the first one and sadly will not be the last one because we haven't done enough to change uh, our country. But secondly, some other whys in, ad in addition to that why of what would happen to, to uh to me or, or to you is really to understand that we want to make this world a better place for our children. And we want to model for our children how to do that. We don't want to be those people who sit around and say, well, someone else over there can do it. We want to show our children that they also can get involved. So those are some wise as well. And I think the other wise, Shannon, quite frankly, are the ones that we've already talked about that is good for us psychologically to be on the right side of history. So true. There was a comment from our mutual friend that people use the excuse that they can't find good minority candidates. Crazy when there are dozens of excellent HBCUs out there to find candidates. And she's a She's a graduate of Spelman, right? Yes, she is a graduate of, of Spelman. Uh, <laughs> I won't say anything about that today since my <laughs> Spelman is a great, great school. And 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 she is so right. I mean, I, I thank you for Rolanda for making that comment because that actually is one of the things that I talk about in my book, where you know, I had someone to say to me one time when I asked, why aren't there more black professors at this university? And they said, Well, we can't find in the candidates. And when we do find a candidate, they're going to other schools. Well, I knew that wasn't true because I came from an HBCU yeah. and there are lots of brilliant candidates so many. It's about people being willing to go out and search for the candidate, to go to the right places to look for the candidates. If you are only going to look at certain schools, you will never find the people that you are looking for. Well, I, shall, I won't say never. I shouldn't say that word, but you won't necessarily find the candidate that you're looking for. If you're living in this place of someone else is going to swoop them up. If you're you have a particular idea of what exactly. that exactly. And so the problem is that's racist in and of itself because people don't think that HBCUs are as good as a Harvard or a, a Yale. My grounding is in an HBCU, even though I went to an Ivy League for my master's in divinity, but I claim my HBCU probably before I claim anything. Yes, you know, so, uh, and, and yes, the, the Yale is on my bio, but here's the thing, my grounding, my significance, my knowingness 
of who I am was reinforced at an HBCU. So I understood that I could go out and I can compete with anybody because that's what an HBCU does. And it supports us because we also know the racism we're going to have to deal with when yeah. we get out in the world. And, and, and I think this is really critical because I'm such an advocate of HBCUs. One of the things that happens when we go to a PWI for people of color, sometimes there's a chipping away that happens that makes you feel less than because the racism that occurs there in the ways that people interact with us unconsciously um, and sometimes consciously can make you feel really, really small. But at an HBCU, they build us up so much and they help us to understand our history of who we are and where we came from. And, and that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen in schools when you're coming up in elementary or when you're in high school, middle school. And it doesn't happen at a PWI unless you take one or two classes. But in all of my classes, when I went to Howard, there was always going to be a theme of, of people of color. And so uh, to, to get back to the, to the, the point of what Rolanda was saying is that really it's an excuse for, I think people, when they say they can't find a person of color who can fill the position that they're looking for. We'll hear more after our break, I'm sure. It's been wonderful to hear more about this. Yes. PWI, tell us really quickly what that is. Hey, everybody, um, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy and Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. all pet lovers pet avengers assemble on the professionals and animal lovers show we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong it mirrors that bond between pets and their owners through this program we come together to learn educate and advocate join us live every wednesday at 2 p.m at talkradio.nyc You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. We are back with Dismantle uh, Racism. I tell you, the show always goes so, so very quickly, but I do want to just turn it back over to my guest today, Reverend Shannon Way. Ah, so good to be here with you, Reverend Dr. TLC. We have known each other as colleagues in ministry and as friends. And I have also taken some of your courses that you offer. So why don't you tell people if they're, when they read this, and they say, okay, I need some extra support. Tell people what kind of work you do and how you might assist them. Mm -hmm. um, so actually next week, April 27th, I'm offering a free webinar where I'm going to be going through some of the things that we talked about here today. So I invite people to go to my website, sacredintelligence.com and find out more information about that. But I also beginning May 4th, I'm offering a six-week course 
where we will be digging into some of these things a little bit more. But the six-week course is called A Blueprint for Ending Racism. And I'm going to be dealing with some of the issues of what's the cost of racism to you, getting into that a little bit more, uh, helping people to overcome their fear of getting it right, because that's one of the things that people talk about often. I'll also be talking about do this, not that, to kind of deal with what are some of those microaggressions and what are some things that you should do if you really want to engage in this work? What are some things that you need to do? And then we'll take a look at how do you stop racism in its tracks? How do you begin that conversation when you see something happening, when someone says something that makes you uncomfortable? How do you deal with that? And then how do you become an ally? So those are the things that I will be talking about um, beginning May 4th. Again, the class is six weeks. It's for an hour and a half. I invite people to join me for that course as well. And you can always visit my website to find out additional ways in which we can engage in this work together. Okay, so it's probably I should have started with this, but is it possible to dismantle racism? Here's what I think is possible. It's possible for us to do what we can do in our own corner of the world to make it better for the people who who are around us, okay? So maybe, not everybody will have a radio show like I do or write a book like I do so that there's a bigger impact. But if in your community, particularly if you're in a white community and there's a discussion about critical race theory, huh? because a lot of that is happening. Why not be an, an advocate to say, how, why, why can't we um, have critical race theory in school? What is critical race theory? Because people use it in the wrong way, quite frankly. But why not start in your own corner of the world to dismantle racism? So my answer would be yes. Will we get to a point before I leave this world I doubt it, where we don't continue to see racial inequities. You know, it's just like Jesus said, you'll always have the poor with you. But does that mean that we don't stop trying to do what we need to do for the poor? So in my mind, when we begin to heal from the inside out, we will begin to make this world a better place. And that's my objective. So it's everybody doing their part. It's exactly. And you're there, if I if I have this wrong, tell me to help equip people to change themselves so that they can then make an impact around. That's right. You said it beautifully. <laughs> well, all I have all in my book. Here. I, it's all there. I know. I love how accessible it is and how it's, it's kind. It doesn't beat you over the head. But you you go into things and you're gentle with people. I, I know that about you as a person too, and in your work, you um, you don't beat people over the head with stuff. You allow them to kind of unfold. What what more would you say about that? The way you work with people. I think the way I work with people in general is to come from a place of love. That does not mean I won't push you and help you to go deeper <laughs> in the work. And in my workshops, I do challenge people to go deeper, but I'm always holding that space of love for people and to allow people to know that you can mess up when we are working together one-on-one or in a group, and I'm here to support you through it. And I'm here also to hear the hurt and pain of the other people who might be present and to hold space for that as well. So that's the approach that I that I take. So um I do want to just encourage people to do their work, though. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That sounds really great. I want you to read a section from your book, whatever you feel like you want to share, um, and then tell people how they can get your book. So let me start with telling people how they can get my book, because what I want to read is actually a a meditation. So you can get my book by going to Amazon.com. You can find it there. You can find it at Barnes & Noble. You can also go to my website at sacredintelligence.com. But um, actually, for those of you who are listening, the book will be 99 cents on Kindle for a few more days. So if you have not picked it up yet, please pick it up on Kindle for 99 cents. 
And then afterwards, the price uh, goes up on Kindle. Uh, you can also buy the, the hard copy right now as well, but it's not 99 cents. So um, I want to just share with people, though, one of the things that I do in this book is that I offer what I call sacred meditations, because we've been talking about this going inward to listen to sacred. And I think it's important for us to just sit in that space. So each chapter begins with a meditation. I'd like to read um, the first one. Awaken me, gracious one, to the light that is within me. Help me to let it shine throughout the world. Awaken me to courage that propels me to live my dreams, walk into greatness, and leave behind all that does not serve me and you. Awaken me to the compassion for those who think, look, and behave differently than I do, allowing me to see their needs, emotional, physical, and spiritual, and to see the divine in them. Awaken me to advocacy and help me to speak truth to power, to change systems of inequities, oppression, destruction, hatred, and violence. Awaken me to a heart of love that radiates throughout through the people I see, the words I speak, and the actions I take. Awaken me to truth that reveals places of hatred, complacency, apathy, anger, and resentment within myself that keep me locked in my prison. Awaken me to faith, hope, and love so that I might see the unlimited possibilities and abundance that exist for me and the world. Awaken me to you, my sacred intelligence, divine wisdom and power so that I hear your voice in moments of doubt, uncertainty, or indecisiveness. In this moment, I simply ask that you awaken me so that I may move with a new direction and purpose, trusting that you will be with me through it all. And so it is, Ashe and Amen. Mm. Awaken us. Oh, may that be so. Yes. And so I just invite people to practice these meditations as well. I know that your book will have an impact. Are you going to be a best-selling author, you hope? I'm already a best-selling uh, author. On Amazon, on Amazon, I made it to bestseller status. I am uh, trusting and praying in, the, in that what God has for me, will be for me. And I already see people buying multiple copies of this book to give out to people. And so it's all about the work. I just wanted to continue to get into the hands of people so they can do the work and help heal this world. And it's done in a way that's a great, you can have a good discussion on it. So I'm getting ready to go share it at my clergy association meeting. Um, Invite me in for a book discussion. With my great. Um, yes, Thanks for coming out of COVID. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you. Thank you for being my guest. I want to thank the Reverend Shannon White for being my guest today. And I want to thank each of you for listening. And I want to invite you to stay on for the Conscious Consultant Hour with Sam Leibowitz. Until next time, be well. Bye for now. business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? 
Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. informed about menopause and how it impacts on your life? Hi, I'm Pat Duckworth, women's health strategist and host of the Hot Women Rock radio show, empowering women leaders at menopause. Join me every Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. UK Time on talkradio.nyc for interviews with inspirational women who will share their top tips to rock your world. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 